Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, this is Lisa Fine, and you're listening to Great Women in Compliance, hosted by Mary Shirley and I. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is the second part of a two-part series with Pat Harned, who is the CEO of ECI. I know you've all listened to the last episode where we had the opportunity to talk about Pat's career path, ECI's mission, and about the GBES Trends Report and the Impact Conference. If you didn't, go back and listen. Um, There's a lot to learn and to go to their website about that as well. One thing that was really exciting to me, and as I processed what I learned at the first Impact Conference that I intended, attended was the discussion that you had about uh, reporting and retaliation. It was one of the keynotes. You did that with Tom Fox, who is our producer and started the Compliance Podcast Network. So we get to shout out to another great man in compliance, Greg Keating and Kyle Welch. So I was really excited to be able to do a two-part series with you so we could do a deeper dive into these issues. There's a lot of information out there about incident reporting and retaliation. So let's just start by talking and giving some background. What's the key for you? What are key messages and what are you thinking about? First, Lisa, thanks for having me back. I enjoyed being with you in the last session and it's nice to be able to continue the conversation. Um, You know, out of this year's update to our global business ethics survey, I did a lot of podcasts, did a lot of, you know, conversations with practitioners and the biggest thing that people talked about um, were the findings on reporting and retaliation around the world. And so when we went into the impact conference, we dedicated a plenary session to it, um, but expanded beyond what did we find in GBES and brought in some really smart people to also talk about, so what do we do about it? And what do we know from what's emerging in the industry around regulation and whistleblowers but also some other research that has been done around helpline reports and how do we understand them. So, you know, first of all, for me, just what what we see in the trends, we see reporting rising, which is great, um, which we know is a reflection from the research we've done over the years. We know that reporting is a direct result of an effective ethics and compliance program. So between 2017 and 2020, you know, 69% of people who observed misconduct in 2017 reported it, whereas 86% of people who observed wrongdoing in 2020 said that they reported it. That's remarkable. 86% of people in, in companies where we surveyed said, I went forward to management to report. Um, And that means where there are ethics and compliance programs, they're doing a good job in encouraging people to come forward. But the alarming part of the research was that with the rise in reporting, there was an even bigger increase in the extent to which people experience retaliation for reporting. So, you know, there was a 44% increase from the last time we measured to 2020. So, 79% of people who reported experienced some form of retaliation for having done so. 
The reason that worries me so much, and I think was a big focus of the discussion at Impact, is that retaliation is a leading indicator of what's going to go, what's going to happen to your culture and your organization. When people believe they can't come forward to report because they're going to experience harm, they're not going to come forward. And once you develop a shared understanding in your organization, um, people stop telling you when there are problems and management is flying blind. So culture starts to erode. And when culture starts to erode, all kinds, every indicator we look at that we hope is going to be positive starts to have a downward trend. So it's troubling. And that was, I think, um, a great deal of the conversation at Impact and certainly has been a great deal of discussion in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the retaliation part was the part that really did hit alarm bells for me as well. I think one of the things that I think a lot of us practitioners have spent a lot of effort explaining for a long time to organizations that it's good if people are making reports. Like this is not a bad thing. You know that there have been, and you would know better than I would too, that you have a lot of leaders in organizations saying, well, we, you know, if somebody's complaining, something must be wrong. So it, you know, everyone's have this opposite end feeling of, you know, we don't want to know if somebody's complaining, we have problems, not if people are raising concerns, that's good because they feel com comfortable or confident. Now, the second side of it is something where we really have to keep working as professionals to, to move that forward as well, to have people have a better understanding of retaliation. Agreed. And I think what was striking in, so in the conference session, we had uh, Kyle Welsh, who is faculty member with George, George Washington University, who's done some research looking at helpline data from Navex Global. Um, and he, his research is showing exactly what you just said, that the more employees are reporting to your, through your helpline or, but reporting in general, the better the outcome for your company, the less likely you are to have fines, the less likely there are to be um, regulatory involvements, the greater the productivity of the organization. So we know reporting is good, but this retaliation problem is really a challenge. And do you think that right now, let's talk a little bit about COVID, COVID related to that while it's outside the conversation, you know, some of the conversations, people being remote or concerned about, you know, future employment in general, do you think that it's impacted willingness either to speak out or a larger fear of retaliation? Because you may not be in the same physical place where somebody who may retaliate may not have to look you in the eye and even do that. We definitely saw in the research that COVID is having a huge impact on people in a couple of different ways. One is that they're significantly more people say they are feeling pressured when they're at work, you know, pressure to meet their performance goals, um, pressure to show value to their organization, because in a remote environment, it's hard to make, I suppose, people are feeling it's they have to be more overt in showing that they're contributing to the organization. So 44% of people told us they feel more pressure now in this COVID environment than they did before. Um, but we also saw that people are saying they feel like their connection to their colleagues, their connection to the culture has changed. And it's hard to know 
how exactly that's affected their conduct. But probably if when we go back to survey again, hopefully we'll be past a pandemic, um, but we'll probably see shifts because things will adjust again. With respect to reporting and retaliation, we do know from just years of looking at it that what drives people to come forward to report is their confidence that the company will do something with their report and also their confidence that they're going to be protected from retaliation. And so I suspect that's part of the reason why we saw reporting numbers change for the good this year, because companies are doing a better job of conveying those things that we are going to take action. We are, we don't tolerate retaliation, but it does, it's a good question whether in, when you're working from home and you become aware of a problem, how confident are you that if you bring it forward, you're not going to experience some sort of retaliation. I suspect that may be changing. And it does, it is a whole lot harder to feel confident in company processes when you're looking at people through your computer screen as opposed to looking at them face to face. I mean, I can just say in my personal experience of the last year, do working on you know investigations and being somebody who is very, very committed to anti-retaliation reporting, giving, it is a much more challenging experience not being able to look at someone who raises a concern in the eyes or be able to go do some parts of investigations in person because there's obviously less trust and you have, which I completely understand. I have a lot of empathy as that person, but on the other hand, you don't have the same opportunity to build that relationship. So there are times where you're actually doing all of the things that this person may want or think of the right thing to do, but you can't discuss certain aspects of investigations, you know, because confidentiality is so important. And it really is a challenge that I think that COVID has brought to us, not being able to help a trust level in situations like that. Um, Because I I mean, I say this all the time and I'm sure, you know, raising concerns takes a lot of courage. And once somebody does that, you know, they're obviously, there's a lot going on in their mind and in the situation as a whole. And how do we best, keep encouraging that, avoiding retaliation and do our jobs, you know, to respect everyone's confidentiality, including witnesses, others, and the company. I completely agree. It is, it is an extremely hard thing to do to come forward and report even suspected wrongdoing. Um, There's just a lot that goes into that decision for people. And it's a risk because it's always a question, will there be ramifications for me and my job? We do know, and this this bore out again this year in the GBES, but we know that when people come forward to report, they are more likely to come to their own supervisor or someone else that they know in management than they are to use a helpline or hotline. Um, In fact, only about 5% of reports are going to a hotline. Um, and, And the reason for that is exactly what you just said, Lisa. It's that you go to someone you trust and it's it's based on who do I know? Who do I know is going to listen to me? And I do think that if you had a previous relationship with your supervisor prior to the pandemic and all of a sudden everybody's working from home, you know enough about that supervisor that presumably if you have to report something, you're going to do it by video 
because you know that person, they know you, you know how to, you know, read each other as best you can through a virtual call. But for people that are coming in and don't know their supervisor, or even worse, if your supervisor is part of the problem and you have to make a report and you're going to go to somebody else in management or call a helpline where you're talking to someone you don't know, I think it's a whole lot harder in the current environment because it is harder. You don't get to read the cues of somebody that you're meeting with in person. You don't have as much of a sense or have as easy a time talking with others about, well, what do you know about this person and what do you think if I were to go talk to them? So we didn't see those shifts when we fielded the survey this time, but we we were reasonably, you know, the, it was in the August, September timeframe. So we were full on into working remotely, but I wonder if over time those numbers would start to show that kind of a shift. That will be really interesting for the um, next report, especially when we have more hybrid work environments and other things with that. Um, exactly. I think one other thing about speaking out um, before we go into some more stuff about retaliation is how about the social justice movements? When you were working on this, it was right in the midst of a lot of what was going on in the U.S., Black Lives Matter um, and other different uh, police brutality issues. And as you mentioned in part one, George Floyd, um, do you think that that was impacting some of your analysis in the GBS trends report? Well, we ask a lot of questions about different types of misconduct that you see in the workplace um, we saw some shifts, not huge shifts, but some shifts in the extent to which people said they observed discriminatory practices or racism in their workplace. Um, that was probably the place where it showed up the most. I, I attribute the fact that it wasn't bigger to the fact that our question set was really not focusing on that as much as it was some of the more traditional metrics we've used over time for ethics and compliance. We have in the past actually looked at that more specifically, um, but but without a doubt, we know just you know from our from our community members, our membership community, from conversations in our working group, that the social justice movement that's happening is having a profound effect on people, um, both in terms of the pressure they're feeling in their lives in general, um, the concerns they have about their well-being and the well-being of their communities and their society. And, and frankly, it's affecting workplaces too. Well, moving on from that, let's talk a bit about, as we said earlier, retaliation. One thing when I was looking at the report and that really stood out to me was that um, the 92% of respondents that were in the management more senior level roles were concerned about retaliation versus the 61% of global respondents at all levels. So then I went back and looked at it and I saw that the you know, the non-management reporters in the U.S. had that 41 percent, a lower level of concern. I know some of that would have to do with seniority. But what I was wondering is sort of look, I understand, you know, why it would be calculated differently for, you know, the rest of the world and, and the United States. But I wanted to just get your view on that, um, you know, and, and how are people in the U.S. more or less concerned about retaliation than outside? It certainly seems that it's more prevalent in the United States than in other places around the world. It's hard to know exactly why that is, but I wonder if part of it is that 
um, in the United States, especially in a lot of business organizations, programs are they've done a great deal of work, maybe arguably more work than has happened in other countries to look at reporting trends, to look at retaliation trends, and to integrate that into the language of business leaders and codes of conduct. So it may just be that it's hard to say that retaliation is happening more in the United States than anywhere else, so much as people may be better able to identify it. And as retaliation and said in the survey that they had experienced it. We also do know though, that the higher you are in the organization, the more likely you are to feel pressure, to compromise standards, to do your job, the more likely you are to observe misconduct, you're actually more willing to report it, but you're also more likely to experience retaliation for it. Um, In terms of other countries though, certainly we're seeing lots of movement and development of uh, regulation and protections for whistleblowers. I think there's a great deal of work that's being done to try to advance the conversation about how do we make sure people who come forward are protected for doing so. I think culturally, it's also so much of a challenge with deference. I think um, I I remember years ago, I was working in my law firm life with somebody in an early question in a deposition. It was a a Japanese employee. Um, You basically was asking a question about what their manager's name was, what the position was, blah, blah, blah. And the person was like, I don't speak about my manager because we don't do that outside the office or something extreme like that to stop the deposition, but this that's changed a lot over the years. But I also think that cultural variables can really impact how people perceive speaking up and and then the fear of retaliation, you know, secondarily. I agree. And I think one of it's, it's also clear from ECI's research, but also just lots of other research that's been done that in different cultures, how you think about authority is really different and how power is structured in an organization is different. And so people's willingness, the the stronger, the more power is at the top, the more, the less independence employees have in an organization, the less likely they are to come forward. And you see that play out in different cultures around the world. And so it did show up in the data for GBES that there are just some places around the world where retaliation is more prevalent and it's likely due to cultural differences. Yeah, I mean, in some of the countries, I mean, I saw have some of the numbers increase significantly in Mexico, India, and especially China. What are your thoughts about, you know, what's happening there just generally? Because I thought I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, there were some, some real outliers in India, for example, um, people, 90% of people who reported wrongdoing said that they experienced retaliation for having done so. 90% is striking. I mean, it it was high last time we studied it. It was 86%, but it has increased. Um, And and again, it's hard to know exactly what, what has been driving those trends, but certainly part of it, I think, is um, just the, again, the relationship to authority, the the influence of how people react to one another, react to wrongdoing, um, the influence of peer groups in those kinds of organizations. So those are all factors. 
So while gender isn't part of these statistics, do you think that gender at all impacts reporting or comfort levels in reporting? I realize that could be a massive generalization, but I, I came onto my mind. We have looked at differences by gender in the past when it came to reporting. Um, and there have been some years where it's significant, some years where it's not statistically significant. But one of the things that we found is that women are more likely to come forward and report than men are. Um, and, and I think part of the reason for that is just in how we're wired, a sense of duty, sense of obligation, not that men don't have those, those senses too, um, but but that has been a fairly consistent finding over the years. So one last thing, at the end of part one, I asked you your advice to giving to a woman who had just attended her first impact conference. So for part two, I thought I'd ask you about a lesson that you may have learned over the years that you felt comfortable sharing um, that you know somebody else wouldn't have to learn the hard way. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, share an anecdote that um, when I was fairly new in my role as, as the then president of ERC, um, my, one of the, my great mentors was Carol Marshall, who was at the time the VP for business ethics conduct. I'm probably not getting her title correct at Lockheed Martin. And Carol was of course one of the great innovators in our field, one of the pioneers in what is now an ethics and compliance position in a company. And she just, I, she over the years really made a point of pulling me aside and offering advice and offering observations about presentations and things I was doing in my job. And she, she sat me down one time and said, Pat, as women in an industry, especially in an industry that at the time didn't have a lot of women, she said, we are not wired to want to step forward and be courageous. We're not wired to want to ask for what we need. And we're also not wired to want to do hard things. We're just, we tend to be, and this was her perspective. And she said, to be successful in your career, to be successful in business. And she kind of shared some of what she had experienced too in her own rise in leadership. She just said, you have to force yourself to find your courage, muster it. You've got it. It's in you. Just muster it up. And so, and that has stayed with me. And she, the other thing that she said to me was, the more you do it, the more you put yourself in, a, in the position and, and just kind of make yourself say hard things, make yourself do what needs to be done, the easier it will get. And so I, that has stayed with me and I think it's, I, I found it to be true. So that's what I would say to other women, especially getting started in this field. Ours is a field that is all about um, trying to understand how we can bring about change in our organizations. And very often the message of change is not an easy one to deliver to leaders because um, change is hard and sometimes you have to deliver bad news. So it's it's really important to develop that skill to be able to have courage and to be able to say what needs to be said it's while great. showing respect in doing it. It's it's great. It's great advice. I once had some similar, but very different advice with, they're not all going to like you, but you want them to respect you. Um, mm -hmm. And 
it takes a lot of courage. And I mean, I battle that every day. And what you've said right now is really inspiring to me as well. And I'm sure to everyone who's listening. And with that, thank you so much for spending so much time with, with me, with our audience and, you know, putting you know so much great work out into the field and really being one of the women who, you know, has really started and built this field into what it is. I said originally when we spoke, this was talking to you is like a very exciting, I guess they call it a get, but I'm so thrilled to get to speak with you and just to get to know you better and share the wisdom that you have. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you again for having me. And thanks to you and Mary for what you do. I am a super fan of your podcast. So I'll be listening to future future episodes and um, but I, I so appreciate what you're doing, and I'm so glad to have been able to join you. Thanks. So on behalf of Mary and me and the Compliance Podcast Network, thanks for listening to Great Women in Compliance, and everyone have a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review. 